imagine if you could overhear private, unfiltered conversations between the world's most influential and inspirational women? Now you can. Welcome to Leadership Global, where you'll hear from inspiring leaders who will help you define your vision, grow your leadership, expand your influence, and increase your impact to leave a lasting legacy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's Lead Hership Global episode. I'm so glad that all of you have joined me today as we have the privilege and honor of talking about how women can use negotiation skills to actually advocate for themselves. And this week, we have such a special guest, Fotini Economopoulos. And Fotini is an expert in this area. So we are going to do a deep dive into the whole subject of negotiation and how women can use negotiation skills to advocate for themselves. You know, negotiation is actually a skill that can bring significant value to everyone. Yet women are actually far less likely to engage in negotiation and actually with good reason. Studies and anecdotes tell us that women are often penalized for negotiating. In fact, in 2001, only 7% of women negotiated their first salary compared to 57% of men. And that's because women are often labeled as aggressive instead of assertive, or they might even attract that dreaded B word. And so they begin to fear the process, fear retaliation. So are women terrible negotiators? No, in fact, as expert communicator and negotiator, Botini, Economopolis shares, the opposite is true. Women's superior trust and empathy skills actually make them ideal negotiators. Often they just need to work on their confidence or employ some sort of subtle communication strategies to actually get what they want without the dreaded labels. So today we have the opportunity to speak to Fotini. Uh, she scares her negotiation war stories and how she overcame gender and age discrimination to go on to be an expert that Fortune 500 executives seek out for their high stakes negotiation scenarios. You're going to leave today with motivation and confidence and the knowledge to tackle your next negotiation with ease. But before we jump in, let me tell you just a little bit about Fotini. Fotini Economopoulos is the author of HarperCollins' Say Less, Get More, Unconventional Negotiation Techniques to Get What You Want. And she has an absolute passion for the power of forward thinking. Today, business executives partner with her to achieve their business goals, increase profitability, and create competitive advantage. She empowers her teams through expertise in negotiation, communication, and persuasion. And to share her strengths with more business leaders, Botini occasionally returns to the classroom as an instructor of MBA negotiations with Schulich School of Business at York University in Toronto. In addition to her features on TV, media, and outlets like Forbes and Harvard Business Review, she's been recognized on multiple awards with a National Inclusion Award to a top 40 Under 40 Award. She's been invited to share her message with audiences from all industries 
And she is a very well-respected and sought after keynote speaker all around the globe. So I am so honored and so fortunate to be able to welcome you, Fotini. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's so important to help promote women and share this message. I agree. So again, tell us a little bit about your journey, Fotini. Tell us what's led you to have such passion around helping women successfully negotiate and advocate for themselves. Well, I mean, I tell people, I joke with people that it started when I was a kid, because if you've ever seen the movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, that was my upbringing. <laughs> and so I had to negotiate my way out of the house. Um, and because I come from a culture where it can be very patriarchal and, and women weren't necessarily offered up the same experiences as the boys in my, in my childhood and in my youth, for me, it was always important to make sure that social justice was something that was a norm for me. And having come up against a number of different elements of adversity in my career, whether it was age discrimination or gender discrimination, or just, you know, some other challenges that came up along the way. For me, I was, I just, I didn't want to be held back personally. And I found it frustrating when other people shared their stories or when I witnessed other people being held back. So it was like the fire in me that made me go, oh no, we're not going to let anybody get held back. We're all moving forward together. And I think I've been fortunate enough to have surrounded myself with some really interesting folks who have that same mindset. So we kind of you know, build off of each other in that sense and, and just fed off of each other. Um, but for me, it was whether it was in the workplace or at home, it was just always really important to make sure that everybody had the tools they needed to succeed. Because I didn't want anyone to have to go through some of the crap that I dealt with. I wanted to spare other folks um, some of those those instances. I love that, Fotini. So talk to me a little bit about what you've learned along your journey in helping to lift women up and to give them the confidence to enter into a negotiation with the skill and with the knowledge that they can be successful. What are some of the biggest obstacles for women to actually enter into a negotiation and feel once they've left that negotiation table that they've been able to be successful? So there's two obstacles. One is self-imposed and the other is societal imposed. So the, the self-imposed thing is, can I really do that? Do I have the skills? I'm not used to this. That's not me. I'm not in sales. I'm not I'm not this, that, or the other. You know, all of the reasons that that kept people from even asking for something or thinking they were capable of doing it. And so part of my job is to also help people realize that you deserve this. You, you have made it to this place for a reason. They are seeking you out and your expertise for a reason. You're at the top of the pool for promotions and things like that for a reason. So why shouldn't you get paid? Or don't you deserve the same courtesy that you would give to others? There's so many of these mindset blocks that we have that I want to make sure women can, you know, move aside to make sure that they actually get what they want. But then there's also, you know, the very real scenario that we face. There's still the societal norms. As much as we've advanced, there are still some folks in society at a subconscious level who make women feel like, oh, shouldn't you just be grateful that you're out of the kitchen back in 1956? Why are you asking me for more money? That's where some of those feelings of, oh, I'm going to be perceived as greedy, or I'm going to be perceived as aggressive, or rude or bitchy or any of those things. And so it's, yes, making sure that mentally women feel like they deserve it and that they should be stepping up. And I think we've made massive progress in that. The study that you cited back in the early 2000s would likely have very different results today. But then there's the, the reality of we're still facing some of that subconscious bias in our society. And so 
as much as I would like to tell people we shouldn't have to um, make adjustments to our behavior. We shouldn't have to be so careful and choreographed and conscientious of the things that we're doing and saying. It's true we shouldn't have to, but at the same time, I'm not waiting to. I'm will not willing to wait another hundred years for society to catch up to that. So my job now is to give women the tools to go. Here's what you can say that will minimize the risk of them calling you aggressive, of them calling you bitchy, of them calling you greedy. Here's some techniques and tools to communicate more effectively to get what you want with a lot less resistance. And so when they know that, then if they're still getting that resistance for some reason, and I've been in that position before, at least they can rest their head on their pillow at night and go, I did everything I'm supposed to do. I did everything I could do. This isn't about me anymore. This is about the other person and I can't change them. So it, we probably aren't a match for whatever it was that we were going to enter into with each other. But I know that that has been my most satisfying moments of negotiation. Negotiation, and I want to give that to others so that they're not wondering, what if? What if I had spoken up? What if I had said it differently? What if I had studied or prepared or done any of those things? So it's, it's a holistic approach to giving you the mindset and then giving you the tools so that there are no regrets when you walk away. I love that. So let's talk about some of the tools and techniques, Botini. What are some of the basic fundamentals in terms of tools and techniques so that women can feel prepared and confident when they sit down at that negotiation table um, and that they can feel as though they are an equal to the person that they are sitting across that negotiation table with. So one of it, them is the mindset piece of, you know, studies show us that women will go to bat for others more than they will for themselves. So we're a very supportive bunch of people. Then the question becomes, how can you make sure you are just as supportive as yourself as you would be for a member of your team or your colleague or a friend? So can you treat yourself the way you would treat others in that instance? Can you list all of the wonderful reasons why you deserve to be there? Can you list all of the things that you bring to the table? Can you list all the things you would want somebody to go to bat you with. Um, so get that preparation in terms of your mindset, as well as some of the actual quantitative and qualitative things that you want to get out of it. Then I want you to think about, well, put myself in their shoes for a second. Too often when I say that people will go, oh, well, they're thinking about the other 500 people that are behind me that they could offer this to, or they're thinking they want to save money. But what if you went, what's their worst case scenario? Their worst case scenario is they would lose your talent. They would have to train another person. They would be behind on all of these projects. All of these things would be the worst case scenario if you walked away or if they had to go to the next person on the list. So instead of thinking about their best case scenario, they get to save a bunch of money. It's how can you make sure that you are indispensable to this individual? Get in their head and think about why they brought you to the table. So we've got the mindset of your own. We've got the mindset of the person sitting across the table. And then the tools are one of the, the easiest ways to go about it is to ask lots of questions, get lots of information so that you are armed with everything that you need to make a great proposal based on what you said, based on some of your needs, based on this, it seems like my experience would be a perfect match for that. Based on what I'm hearing in the industry, based on credible information from them or from your research and preparation, you now come to the table as a credible individual with objective information that it's gonna be very hard for them to argue with or blame you for having opinions. Because if you start going in there and using language like I think, I think are two of the most dangerous words that you could enter in a negotiation. It's not, I think it's, I know, and I know facts. I know what you said to me. I know what my research says. So based on the things that I know, 
here's what would be appropriate for our solution. So when you can come in with that level of confidence backed up by research, it's going to be very difficult for them, again, to call you bitchy or greedy or any of those things because it's not opinion and it's not fodder. And when you're facing some of those really difficult conversations that aren't necessarily about necessarily cash, but you're worried, I need to speak up for myself. I need to advocate for myself right now. Maybe a bully is pushing my buttons. That's when you can use questions. So for example, when I was uh, deep in the heart of Texas, training a bunch of much older white men who looked at me and went, what are you going to teach me, little girl? Instead of hurling out my best playground insults, my response was, well, how would my age change the data that I'm presenting? How would my age change the lesson? You know, I don't need to stoop to their level, but by asking a question, I'm putting the ball back in their court to look stupid. <laughs> I don't need to do that for them. So you can use questions as a way to be just as assertive without having to be aggressive and without having to mirror that awful behavior. I encourage my clients and my audiences to be the mirror that you want them to reflect. Because if they're stooping low, that is not your signal to do that. I think a very brave, a very wonderful lady once says, when we go low, uh, when they go low, rather, we go high. And for me, that is mirroring the, the, um, the language and the behavior that I want you to give me. I'm going to treat you with respect. I'm going to be assertive, however, and I expect you to treat me with that same respect versus going to the playground insults. There's a bunch of tools that you can do step-by-step step to get you prepared for everything. And, you know, one of the things that you talked about uh, is being prepared. And I've heard that knowing exactly what you want from negotiation is the very first step, knowing the boundaries within which you will or won't settle and exactly what your desired result is. But I would argue that doing your homework and remembering that knowledge is power, maybe that's really the first step. So in order to feel confident in your negotiation and put weight behind what you're saying, it seems like you're suggesting that we need to back it up with knowledge. Make sure that you're not uneasy or unprepared with the facts of the situation. So preliminary preparation before your meeting may be a really important first ingredient. So I know you've entered into some tough negotiations, Boutini, and how were you able to rethink your strategy and develop a winning strategy based on preparation? Yeah, I, I agree with you. It really is the first step before you enter the room. Great negotiators don't wing it. You know, even expert negotiators don't wing it. It could be five seconds of preparation before the words come out of your mouth. It could be five hours. It could be five months. When I'm dealing with high stakes negotiations, when people hire me for these types of things, we work months, if not years in advance of, a, of an intense negotiation. They've got lots of people out there doing research and collecting data and all of that kind of stuff. Now, for lower stakes stuff or maybe some more simple negotiations, it may not take years to prepare, but it could take hours and it could take even weeks. So do your homework. What industry are you in? What information do you need to know? Who else do you know in this industry who can give you relative insights and useful insights in this? And then when you've got all of that stuff prepared and you feel so much more powerful because you've you erased the fear of the unknown, you've got all the information you need now. So you've got, you're armed with everything you're going to need. Then there's still an extra level of preparation that I advise everybody to do. And that is practice. So before you open your mouth in that moment and all of this stuff comes out that you didn't mean to come out because you're fumbling over your words, I want you to practice in front of a mirror, practice with a friend. You'd be surprised how many companies I work with who hire me to help them role play. What if they say this? 
If I say it this way, how does that sound to you? What if I practice it this way? And then what happens is as you're practicing, your brain, your subconscious brain is latching on to that preparation. So when you're in the moment and you're facing that fight or flight moment, that physiological response to stress, your brain isn't so shocked. It goes, oh, no, no, I'm familiar with this circumstance. I remember the words that I'm supposed to say right now. So it doesn't come out that jumbled mess. You look far more confident and far more credible. So it's preparing to get the information that you need in order to be successful, to eliminate any surprises. But then it's also preparing, how am I going to say this? How am I going to look credible? How do I make myself more comfortable with those circumstances that are coming my way? So smart. I love that. And I'm so glad to know that Again, this whole idea of being prepared is, is a preliminary first step, knowing what you want from the negotiation, but also preparing, making sure that you remember that knowledge is power and that is your first step. So that's great. I also know that staying calm and level-headed is an absolute must in negotiation. So as you can imagine, negotiations naturally get quite heated as two or more parties try to settle for an agreement that works for everyone. So in order for the people that you're negotiating with to respect your point of view and to consider your request seriously, you need to remain calm and collected. So tell us what you recommend that women can put into motion, think about, practice to remain level-headed and calm, even in the midst of a contentious negotiation. So there, there are a lot of tools and a lot of great advice on there on how to keep your calm and how to manage anxiety and how to manage your stress in difficult moments. Some of it is things like um, meditative breaths. Others have a positive mantra, and those are all wonderful tools. I think about a moment in time where I faced a very difficult, probably my most difficult negotiation. I was dealing with someone who is a misogynist. I was dealing with some difficult discrimination issues, and I was really upset by it. It was like lighting me up in a very angry way. And the temptation was to use that emotion and lash out at the individual. What I realized in the moment was I had this aha moment and I tell people, this is the moment my mental pause button was born. Cause I, ref I, I, I talk to people all the time about finding your mental pause button. When times get tough and you are tempted to say something, pause first. It's one of the reasons why the book is called say less, get more, take that moment to say less. And I guarantee you will get more out of that situation. But the reason I say that is in that moment, I was getting ready to lash out and say something super clever and maybe insulting or whatever it was because <laughs> I'm a fiery woman, but I went, no, no, I'm not going to do that because you know what? I am not going to give him the power. I'm not going to give him this moment to use against me later. I'm not going to give him the ammunition to go into a boardroom somewhere and say, oh, she was emotional or she was this. I am going to pause and I'm going to be the victor of this situation. I'm not going to let him play the victim. I'm not going to give him information that he can use against me later. I'm going to pause to think about what do I need to say in this moment that's going to help my cause, that's going to help to advance me forward, that's going to help me later on when I perhaps need to use this in court or any other scenario I might have to face it in. And I gained this self-control. It wasn't about muting my emotions, though. I don't want to tell people don't be emotional. It's about channeling that emotional in a way that is going to serve you. If you can take that anger and go, oh, I'm going to be the victor right now, and I'm going to operate 
operate in a way that is going to serve me and not him, that is what's going to be so much more compelling for you. And if you can recall that moment in your difficult situations and go, I've got this, I'm not going to let them overpower me. I'm not going to let them get the best of me. I feel like for a lot of women I know, that is what is going to fuel you to do your very best in that situation. I love that, Bhutini. Thank you so much. And you, you've mentioned a couple examples where it's been really important to listen carefully and to actually acknowledge the other person, even in tense negotiations. And so when recognized, it's time to be quiet and let another party speak. How do you know when, okay, here's the time to push my mental pause and to recognize that it's time to be quiet, let the other party speak, think about what they're saying, and then respond. So it seems as though two of the most powerful strategies that you can deploy are to listen well, which can build trust, but mm -hmm. to pose questions that encourage the other party to have to almost defend or explain their position. So how do you feel like uh, women can know exactly when it's time to listen carefully and acknowledge the other person? So I don't know that there's a magic bullet in terms of going, here's the moment I listen and here's I don't. However, I do think trust your gut instincts in terms of when that moment is, when in doubt, if for any reason you, tr you don't trust your gut instinct, say less, get more has never let me down. When in doubt, shut up. Because the more comfortable you are with that silence, the less comfortable they're going to be. And what's going to happen is they're going to have that kind of verbal diarrhea moment where they start spilling their guts and they start talking themselves out of a deal. But if you're being reactive instead of following your gut instincts, then you're going to be giving them and empowering them to take over. So I'd say you can, you can also be prepared with a certain number of questions. Like I have generic questions in my head, like, you know, how would that change things? What would serve this situation best? I don't know what the, the, what the preamble was to that question, but I know that question is going to get them talking. That's interesting. It sounds like something like this is important to you and just get them talking some more. When you have some really great information now and your, your alarm bells start to go off and go, oh, now that was really useful because I've been listening. I can listen for what's useful. That is your opportunity to go based on what you just said or based on this statement now that's a great opening for me to to trample all over it if necessary to use that to my advantage to build on that perhaps if it's a collaborative situation as well but if you haven't taken that time to shut up first and let them do some talking then it's going to be really difficult for you to get the information you need to build on whatever it is that they're going to serve up to you that's not to say that you should start every conversation by just shutting up and being quiet and letting them control it start the conversation with some you know powerful statement with some great question. So you're steering the conversation in the direction you want it to go rather than giving them control from the very beginning. But once you've got the control and you've steered it where you want it to go, that's the time to shut up and then pay attention. It's kind of like popcorn, right? When it's in the microwave after a while, it stops, pop, pop, stops popping and it slows down a little bit. And that might be a really great opportunity for you to step in, ask another question to get it popping again. Uh, and get that information you need. Or maybe that's the moment where you step and go, I've got all the information I need. It's completely popped. And now I'm ready to make my proposal or tell them what they need to do based on what they said in order to get to a deal. So I'd say, listen to that instinct, but when in doubt, shut up. <laughs> that's so great. And I love the analogy of popcorn too. That makes it really relatable and very easy to remember. So thank you for that. 
Fotini, this was absolutely amazing. You provided so much actionable insight, so much valuable expertise to the listeners of Leadership Global. So thank you so much. Now, one final question for you. I know in your remarkable career, you have probably been benefited by advice and guidance from mentors and advisors and coaches and people that are cheering you on and lifting you up. And along that journey, you've probably received a couple pieces of advice or guidance that really impacted you. So what have you learned from others that you'd like to share with the Leadership Global audience? You know, it's interesting. It's not something I would have initially thought of as great advice at the time, but when I reflect on it now as a leader, I feel like one of the most poignant things I've heard is you're not looking for another you. You're not looking for a copy of you. Look for what it is that they can bring to the table to compliment you, what perspective they may bring. It doesn't, if you're interviewing someone for a new role, if you're looking for someone to add to the team, um, it doesn't have to be a replica of you. And so it's very easy to go, well, I would do it differently. I would do it that way. But how are they doing that is would bring value to the table. Uh, and that's one of the things that I try to keep in mind whenever I'm going into any type of project. I love that. What a wonderful way to wrap up today's conversation. Fotini, thank you so much. And for everyone listening in to Lead Hership Global's podcast, thank you for joining us. And we look forward to welcoming you next week. Thank you. Thank you for joining Leadership Global's award-winning podcast. As a member of Leadership Global, you have the opportunity to meet inspirational leaders, create lifelong friendships, and be surrounded by others who are invested in your success. Join our global community of inspiring women in leadership, women who will help you create greater levels of impact, support your personal and professional breakthroughs, and help you accelerate your success. Don't miss out on the opportunity to show up, speak up, and step up in your professional and your personal life. Find out how you can join us at leadhershipglobal.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.